Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema is K1, a.k.a. Kevin. Welcome back. Thanks. And joining us from early 21st century Australia is Hamish. Hamish, welcome back. Oh, I'm back. Hey. Hey, reference. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's like now, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time Fonzie was on TV. Was it Arrested uh, Development? Arrested Development, know. probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hem- Henry Winkler was uh, also in Parks and Rec. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But uh, the actual character of Fonzie, I'm not sure. Oh, Fonzie <laughs> had to get straight. Fonzie got a job. Fonzie <laughs> needs some equity because the bank doesn't believe he has an account. No? That's... Come on. I want, I want like, the older age adventures of Fonzie. <laughs> really? After oh, seeing uh, this? I got a subprime mortgage. Oh! <laughs> was that Danny Zuko? Yes. I feel like... Uh, he had a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it's Fonzie and Danny Zuko hanging out together. At the old folks' so, home. Yeah, talk about just the old days. <laughs> oh, I don't understand these electric cars. Where are the people driving them? <laughs> All right, well, we're off the rails already. Th- this week we watched no. a pop culture abomination I mean, we've watched some pretty terrible TV shows for this podcast, but man, this is an animated series with one of the dumbest premises of all time. Uh, This is a cartoon entitled The Fonz and the Happy Days Gang. Now, just some background for those not familiar. In 1974, Gary Marshall created the sitcom Happy Days. Uh, It was a, you know, real nice slice of life kind of show centered around a group of friends and their lives in 1950s, you know, American Midwest, you know, Milwaukee. Uh, viewers were introduced to the Cunningham family, including Richie, played by the young Ron Howard. We also had Ralph Mouth, played by Donnie Most, Don Most now. And uh, the breakout star of the show was the too-cool-for-school Arthur Fonzarelli, better known as Fonzie or just the Fonz. Now, this show, I, I mean, you guys watch Happy Days? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the old Happy Days. I've seen what uh, the whole story's about. I've seen Richie Cunningham get drunk. <laughs> that, that, that was one of the stories. He, very special. He, he got, yeah, days. he got drunk and then he went home and then he was lying in his bed. He was like, whoa, everything's spinning. <laughs> Wait, that, that, was a ter- that was a terrible impression. I was like, wow, everything's spinning. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Flawless. And of Had course, you know, that's also where the classic Jumping the Shark came from. Yes. Well, I mean, this show was tremendously popular. Happy Days I'm referring to. It lasted for 255 episodes over 11 seasons. And, of course, that popularity inevitably waned in the later years. And that's where we get, as you mentioned, Kevin, the infamous jumping the shark moment in uh, in its later years. It's so iconic that we now have the term jumping the shark. It's used to describe that point in which a quality television series has completely exhausted its creativity and good taste. 
but four years before the Fonz was jumping the shark on Happy Days on primetime television, he was actually jumping the blue whale on Saturday mornings in this show, The Fonz and the Happy Days Gang. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I wasn't... Jumping the shark NATO, maybe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was not aware of this cartoon for many, many years. I, I Not too long ago, I, I happened to uh, find it on IMDb or something. I just, I could not believe what I saw. Now, now the episode that we watched for this episode of the podcast was entitled, May the Farce Be With You. It was the second episode of the first season. It originally aired on the morning of Saturday, November 15th, 1980. It was written by Dwayne Poole and Tom Swale, who those guys have written for shows like Super Friends and The Smurfs. And I think in later years, like nowadays, they've written a bunch of like made-for-TV movies. You'd think with the title, May the Farce Be With You, okay, well, maybe we're going to get like a little bit of a Star Wars parody here. But uh, let's get this out of the way early. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I'd be willing to bet that The Vampire Strikes Back also has, well, it may have more Star Wars references than this. <laughs> it has to by default. I, I, You're right. I think the fi- there's a final episode, I looked it up, a final episode where they actually meet Sherlock Holmes. No oh boy. So, you know, this is, this is the playing field that they're in. They can meet characters that don't really exist. <laughs> so it's great. I think the closest thing this gets to Star Wars is that it's got Ron Howard, and Ron Howard's directing uh, Han Solo. Yes, yes. Yeah. The thinnest of uh, connections. <laughs> hey, you said Star Wars. I found something at Star Wars. This guy's directing some Star Wars. It's close enough. You got it. That's the closest <laughs> we're going to get. It's, it's closer than Fonzie got. To some Star Wars. I can't see. F- Here's the thing. It'd be it'd be great if they mentioned metichlorines in this episode, <laughs> and then they'd be like, "What? This is where it comes from." Fonz is like, "Whoa! I got my coolness because I saw a doctor, and he said, hey, your metichlorines are pretty good.' <laughs> just just that just offhanded thing would be great. <laughs> it's like, oh, so this is where I got it from. And George Lucas wakes up years later in his bed going oh this is where i came from oh no <laughs> i've made a terrible mistake <laughs> I, can, I have to go back i have to go back it's like george ti- time travel doesn't exist this does have you seen a tv show it, it's a cartoon that's a cartoon george and pretty much every episode seems to be some sort of parody of some other like tv show or movie so you've got like you know obviously this one may the forest be with you the vampire strikes back it's a jungle out there, gone with the wand, science friction, grease is the word. Wait, wait, there's an episode called Grease is the Word? Yep. So there's a character who kind of is like Danny Zuko, but not in a thing that's referencing the other thing that came out. Did that come before this, Grease? Chronologically, or the actual that's release like- of the film? I, either one, like when it originally started. It's a character who wears a leather jacket and goes, hey! <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> well, th- this one's uh, Greece, like G-R-E-E-C-E. So, of course. But still. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always the word, isn't it? Right. All right, now, <laughs> ho- all right, now hold up now. Now I gotta look, because Ham- Hamish posed a question that we have to answer. Okay, I just looked it up. Yes. Um, Happy Days was uh, 1974. Greece was 1978. But how long was Greece going for as, you know, just a stage musical? Because that's the thing I'm curious about. Because there's a lot of things which, even today, it's like it's just a musical on Broadway and then or you know, uh, smaller musicals that get built up into uh, actual movies. 1971. Yeah, so Grease, the original 
uh, stage thing was before the old uh, happy days. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get right into this TV show because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we open on some very sci-fi looking scenes of a flying saucer shaped time machine emerging from a wormhole and we get robots and Happy Days characters wearing space helmets. Uh, basically what we find is that this is recycled animation from this episode, which uh, seems to be a Hanna-Barbera trick for padding out the runtime. We saw this used in our last episode that we did when we watched the Mr. T animated series. Which, uh, on a side note, looks like a masterpiece compared to the garbage we are about to talk about. <laughs> oh my word, yeah. Oh. So wait, wait, Han. So you could do the same thing for this podcast as well? Just saying. I was like, hey guys, you won't believe what's coming up on the Hitting Play podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard we podcasts make references, do that before, yeah. We, <laughs> we make references to things that you haven't probably seen. Thanks to the internet, we can double check our facts. And Hamish will ramble on about something using a stupid, wacky voice. Stick around. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good trick, but I like how it's like, you said it, like the animation's recycled, even though it's the first thing they see. It's like, what? It's like a trailer for the episode you're about to see. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to keep you from changing the channel because well, I want to get to that scene. I definitely want to see what, what's going on here. I, I can believe someone will be like, oh, robots in this episode? No, I'm out. <laughs> I am not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on. The Fonz is going to elbow something and go, hey. <laughs> yes, that, that is an almost guarantee every week. He elbows so much stuff in this show. I feel like he's got like tinnitus. Or, not tinnitus. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the thing. That's not the thing about the elbow. <laughs> I, just, I I've elbowed so many things I can't hear anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! I think I mean tendonitis, didn't I? Yes, I think oh, you do I, mean yeah. that. Yeah, tendonitis. <laughs> oh, it makes a loud noise over, over the years. You know, you're, when I you're know. that close to the jukebox for all that time on that one side, sure. Uh, just like it's just elbowing the jukebox all the time. That's why it keeps going over to it. It's like I keep speaking like this, and no one can hear me. And I keep going, oh, it's like echolocation because I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like we said, you get like this chopped up, truncated version of the show at, right up the top. Uh, you'll also notice here you'll get this brown dog character named Mister Cool. Now, since this is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, we have to get some sort of anthropomorphic animal sidekick. So here we get Mr. Cool, a cartoon dog Ugh. that pretty much acts like a human. He actually mimics Fonzie quite a bit. And uh, he is voiced by the most famous and prolific voice in animation, Frank Welker, Optimus Prime, Freddy from Scooby-Doo, Santa's Little Helper, you know, everything. Iceman and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, hold on. You say Optimus Prime? Yeah, isn't he Optimus that's, Prime? That's, no, he's Megatron. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's Peter Cullen who's uh, Optimus Prime. Oh, uh, well, it shows you I never watched Transformers. Anyway. <laughs> well, he's still, he's, he's still doing it today. He's still, isn't there yeah. a new other Transformers movie? I think, was it? Um, Hugo Weaving bailed on the idea because he's like, yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> and literally, it's, a, it's the same guys who've had playing Optimus and Megatron still doing it today. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yes, apologies. A, Megatron. Yeah. Megatron. There we go. So anyway, next in voiceover, we get some more <laughs> crazy scenes, and the Fonz tells us, the audience, Hey, yours truly the Fonz here. Incredible is the only word to describe what's happening to me and the Happy Days gang. So you stick around if you get my drift. Whoa. 
so stupid. <laughs> I will say that intro is better than the one that they had in Mr. T, though. <laughs> no, I, no, not at all. Come on. I mean, listen to the crickets. Delivery-wise, maybe. Listen to the crickets after I deliver that. <laughs> yeah. Here's <laughs> the thing. It's a pretty good impression. Not of the character, I gotta say. It's, it sounds like his dad or something like that. <laughs> or, you know, John Travolta. Early stages John Travolta. <laughs> you know, not playing a character, like just being himself. A bad case of early onset John Travolta. Gotta... <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> you see the doctor for that one <laughs> it goes John Travolta then you get some Christopher Walken happening because you get older it's a phenomenon it's a, it's a different overseas because you start getting on set of uh, Michael Caine <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry Mr. Peterson you've got some Christopher Walken no I can't believe this uh. alright so uh. So anyway, from here, we fade to the show's open, which shows the Happy Days gang traveling in a flying saucer through a wormhole made of random years like, you know, like 901 BC, 2316 AD, 6125 BC, 1908 AD, etc., etc. And uh, next, in voiceover, for some reason, the famous disc jockey Wolfman Jack gives us an explanation of the premise. Uh, He explains how the uh, characters from Happy Days were one day... Visited by a girl from the 25th century named Cupcake, who landed her faulty time machine spaceship right in front of Arnold's diner. The Fonz fixed it by, you guessed it, bumping his elbow into it, and they all decided to jump in for some reason and go on an adventure through time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds unbelievable. Sounds about right. I just like yeah. there's so much there's so much exposition. It's like, alright, get ready, guys, for some <laughs> very heavy-handed exposition. There's a spaceship that comes from uh, out of space. By the way, it does sound like he's making this up as he goes along. It really it just does. Like it? Someone, someone gave him the cliff notes, and he's like, "Okay, I have no <laughs> idea what this all means, but let's see what I got out of this." Uh, Fonzie, what's he doing here? He gets into the spaceship with the rest of the gang, and the dinosaurs. Uh, look out! It's gonna be a wacky time. I just There's love that. I gotta lead. Uh, hmm, I'm kind of hungry. Uh, I could go for a cupcake. Yeah. A cupcake, cupcake. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> that was cracking me up. That her name was Cupcake. Cupcake. Yeah. I don't know who in the writing room thought that was a great idea. They couldn't come up with anything cool like Sarah. <laughs> just anything like that. Oh, yeah. I know. What's a girl? What's a girl's name? Orange. No. <laughs> okay, Greg, stop talking. Bag. No. Look, we need a normal female-sounding name, something that sounds like a woman's name, something like Sarah or Marie, Lampshade. No, can you... It's like, Greg, I'm guessing there's one guy there called Greg. But, like, it just seems like the weirdest thing. Cool cupcake. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously this isn't the, you know, the pilot episode, but I kept wondering, like, okay, is this just a nickname that, you know, she had some crazy name and, you know, Fonzie was like, I'm just going to call you Cupcake. Yeah, I have no uh, idea. Well, I just, I just love the the read of uh, Wolfman Jack saying "cupcake." It's the funniest thing. <laughs> it's it's just that weird that weird way of just how he's expressing the entire story. And here's the thing: I had to look up because I thought I missed something. Right? This is episode two, by the way, yes. of this series. And so I looked up episode one, thinking oh, there's probably an explanation of this. This is probably some sort of pilot episode. 
There is not. <laughs> there is there is no soft walk into this story. There's no kind of let's hold your hand and show you what's happening. No, it's just like all right, buckle your seatbelts because this stuff's not gonna make sense. <laughs> I hope you're eating a lot of sugary cereal because it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, that's why I figured we don't need to go to the origin story or anything. Let's just get right into an episode that sounds like it might be somewhat interesting. That's why I figured maybe the Star Wars parody will give us something. Because we get that, you know, right off the top. Wolfman Jack is going to tell us how it all started. And yeah, I'm glad we didn't even bother. <laughs> I just, you just wanted something Star Wars. <laughs> something? Just give, me, just, just give me a little bit. Just a little bit. Nothing. No, There aren't nothing. even There's laser robots. swords. There are robots, true, but yeah, there are no laser swords, no laser guns, strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, It's a very short list. <laughs> yes. Mr. Cool is no Chewbacca. That's true. Well, also, Mr. Cool is a terrible name. Again, the writing room did not have a good idea of, like, uh, uh, characters outside of Happy Days, all terrible names. Oh, this yeah, this was awful. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny, too, is... We're going to get into this, like, space adventure with this girl, which, I mean, I guess she might be alien, but not really. She just seems to be almost human from the 25th century. Happy Days had Mork by this point. You know, Mork was a character, you know, Robin Williams' character that later on went to his own series, Mork and Mindy. But Mork was introduced in this very special episode uh, in which he was going to take Richie Cunningham back to his home planet as a, as a human specimen... And at the end, you find out it was just a dream, which they later re-edited the episode to make Mork erase the experience in everyone's minds, meaning that Mork was now Happy Days canon. So crazier things did, you know, had happened in this Happy Days universe. And I think he later on meets Laverne and Shirley. And he does actually have a cartoon. There was, I think, following this series, there was a uh, Mork in Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days Hour that ran for a season. But they did have a science fiction type character at their disposal, but they just never took advantage of it. Instead, we get this crazy, stupid time travel series, which had no educational value. You know, you would think, okay, they're going to go through time and they're going to meet uh, different historical figures. You know, maybe you get a little lesson for the kids out of this. No, this is just pure garbage. <laughs> so, so wait, Mork was like after the shark, right? I don't, uh, I don't, not too sure about that. Let me see. All right, so Mork premiered in the episode My Favorite Orkin, the 23rd episode of the fifth season. Okay, and it says that the phrase Jump the Shark is based on a scene in the fifth season premiere episode of Happy Days. So he's after. Yeah, but I mean, pretty close. Mm. That's funny. I didn't realize. Uh, they, they were just like, whatever. <laughs> fifth season, who cares? <laughs> All right, so very interesting. Fonzie can build a robot. Fonzie can go in space. We don't care. <laughs> no, remember at the start I said this is one of the worst cartoon premises of all time? I say one of the worst. I, I cannot call this the worst because this show is from an era where many classic primetime live-action sitcoms were repurposed for Saturday morning cartoons. For example, uh, uh, Kevin and I were talking about these. There was such cartoons as Laverne and Shirley in the Army. Now, did you happen to catch any of that, Kevin? Uh, I have not, but I'm I'm terrified that you're going to make us watch it for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what oh, did they yeah. do in the army? Like, were they like was it World War One or World War Two? I'm assuming. I think it's just basic training. I, I think that's all it is. And then there's a uh, the you know, like I said, every Hanna Barbera 
cartoon has to have a little animal sidekick, and I think it's a pig. Who? It doesn't make sense. Like, why would you take these two characters into the army? I mean, again, oh. there are a lot of weird cartoons out there, but it makes no sense. Oh my gosh. I just looked at what the, uh, the, <laughs> the pilot, Invasion of the Booby Hatchers. The girls okay. accident. Yes, the girls accidentally hijack a secret army rocket and get captured by aliens who want to invade Earth. <laughs> what? You know, what? Laverne and Shirley. Right. Oh yeah. Sorry, I just I forgot aliens. <laughs> yeah, when, the the representation of when she puts the glove on the bottle and it goes around. Yeah, that that's that's alien. All, yeah, all makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 communication with aliens. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, not only not only that, uh, there was another cartoon called Gilligan's Planet, where <laughs> yes, where the characters from Gilligan's Island did escape, but the professor made such a powerful rocket or something that not only did they get off the island, they got off the planet and landed on another world where now instead of like various people. You know how they would uh, encounter people that would land on the island or something for for just that episode. Well, now they were going to encounter aliens and other creatures from that world. It's oh, just no. such an insane premise. And, and Kevin and I were thinking of maybe talking about this. The Partridge Family 2200 AD. Why is it always the future or space? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still trying to wrap my head around how did guys who are trapped on an island get into space was like well professor what'd you make here i made a spaceship that has oxygen and it's all made out of coconuts <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's that's an astonishing story especially when they meet other aliens and it's like how'd you get here well we were trapped on an Are island you familiar with coconuts <laughs> <laughs> it's insane and but the the partridge family one is it, i mean look at this thing if you ever get a chance you know anybody listening Google it or something. It's just like a straight ripoff of the Jetsons. It's unbelievably similar. I mean, they must have just reused all the backgrounds. It, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, old animation cells, a lot of old animation, because uh, it is so derivative. It is a bonus feature on the uh, first season box set, so it is accessible if anybody wants to see. I think two episodes were salvaged for the box set. That's it. It doesn't make sense. Who thought these were great ideas? So it's like, let's do this. But at the same time, this this trend keeps going. Where like, yeah, they'll take a show and they'll try to make an animated version of it. Because I think was it the Flash and the Arrow have appeared in a, a CW animated show. I think CW Seed. It's a, a animated channel thing. But um, yeah, they uh, there was basically a spinoff of those two shows and the two actors who appeared in you know Flash and. Uh, the Arrow actually appeared in that show as well, playing their respective characters. So yeah, this, this trend still continues. But it would be crazy if you continued the trend, but you did it with Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Men in space. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Men, yeah, he's in space or he's back in time. He's always in the future. One of those things, and John Draper's trying to sell some, you know, uh, ideas. It's like, we gotta, we gotta take over the galaxy. It's like, here's the idea. The galaxy is like home but like a mother. And it's this whole thing that doesn't work. <laughs> that's space it. I, I'm not, yeah, see, that's it. I can't go... No, it wouldn't be even Scott. just be called Space Juice. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, uh, Space Fuel or um, Quasi Quince. Ah, that's all I get. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, but the, the, like you were saying, adapting these uh, you know, live-action shows for animation, I, I mean, a, a Mad Men show for kids, 
I mean, this is just as insane what we're about to talk about. It can work. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, Hamish, you know, uh, I guess there was an Australian series called Sit Down, Shut Up. Yes, it was a show called Sit Down, Shut Up. It was live action. It had people. Yeah, and then they uh, they made an animated (laughs) series on Fox, uh, which was kind of strange because we never had the live action series here, just the animation, and it had a lot of people from Arrested Development in it as well. I thought it was pretty funny. I actually liked that show. Hard to find nowadays, though. Yeah, the whole show is about was it, uh, school teachers. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, you know. There's also another show you can watch, which is more interesting and involves school teachers. and actually has Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. So, I think BBC British TV show. And it was called Teachers. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's it. Simple title. Well, you got to keep it simple for the, for the kids. I mean, you know, <laughs> when you have something called Fonzie... Was it Fonzie and the Happy Days Gang? It's like... You, you know what you're getting into, Fonzie and the Happy Days Gang. I mean, unfortunately, you know what you're getting into with Fonzie and the Happy Days Gang, but the rest of it's just insane. It's it is. Well, we you know we should get right into this. We're we're still in the opening sequence here. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to this opening sequence. We see the Happy Days Gang encountering dinosaurs. Uh, there's some representations of other eras. It's a kind of a weird shot here. We see some sort of night in a space-like background. Uh, Wolfman Jack goes on to tell us, uh, they don't know where they're going, but they hope they end up back in 1957 Milwaukee. Uh, the Fonz asks, can you dig it? And Wolfman yells, yeah! And we cut to the show's title card. Now, from here, we fade to black, and then we open on the episode title, May the Farce Be With You. Uh, you know, Hamish was just saying, uh, these shows are so stupid, they gotta have either space or time travel. Well, here, we're gonna have both. Mm. From here, we open on the time machine, flying through a wormhole. Inside, Fonzie is lying on his back, working on a large, futuristic engine called a Time Warper, as Richie Cunningham and Ralph Mouth look on. Hey, 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 just, just real quickly, remember the, remember the episode of Happy Days where uh, Fonzie was playing with, like, technology, like, your know, circuitry and boards and stuff like that? Guys, remember that? <laughs> no? No, because I don't remember that, because why is he touching this stuff and he has no idea? He fixes bikes and, like... He's a mechanic, right? Why is he touching love, this stuff? I would love to see him just walking around it, tapping it with his elbow, like, oh, let's see, let's see. <laughs> oh, let me fix up uh, this uh, very experimental <laughs> nuclear facility you got here. Oh, what's this? A circuit board? No problem. Oh, let's get those isotopes back in, back in position. Oh, uh, you know, I just, I wouldn't trust him to be messing around this stuff. No, it, of course as as, not. As, as soon as he's, he's messing around with this super advanced technology, he's like, eh, I know how to fix this. It's like, no, you don't, Fonzie. You don't. You you literally have no idea how to fix this. This is, this is not pipes and, you know, car bits. Wow, I couldn't think of one other reference to a car. Pipes <laughs> and car bits. The pipes, car pipes. Car pipes, the car pipes, uh, spark plugs. There we go. There Radiators, go. tires dashboard so like so essentially a story with people lost trying to get back home through a time vortex or a vortex of such is like sliders right yeah yeah it actually is very similar to the premise every week they're going to open up in a different place in time not really a different dimension or a you know a parallel universe or anything but a similar premise you know the goal is to get back home right time right place yeah and both shows have uh, uh, an introductory explanation of what's going on with the show <laughs> yeah, but Sliders didn't have Wolfman Jack. 
Yeah, Jerry O'Connell and a bunch of dudes are gonna run around and some, pick up some lady and end up with dinosaurs. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, let's see what else is on. <laughs> like Wheel of Fortune's on. Oh, it's a crazy story of Quinn Mallory getting trapped through time. Don't hang around for the last series because he and his brother both go away because they don't want to be a part of this show. And then the entire show ends on a cliffhanger because it got canceled, <laughs> which it did, which is annoying. Oh. So it's interesting to note uh, in this cartoon here, these characters are all voiced by the actors from the show. I mean, that was a surprise to me. Uh, Henry Winkler, Ron Howard, even Donnie Most. Uh, Cupcake, who obviously is not an original Happy Days character, is voiced by Didi Khan, who actually did appear in an episode of Happy Days. So these guys, uh, you know, were all willing to ride the wave of popularity and pick up the paycheck for a Saturday morning show as well. Pretty amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. Ron Howard was he directing anything at this time? Well, I don't again, think so. I think it's his paycheck. I'm yeah, just, I'm just gonna say that. I mean, Dire- come on, directing I mean, his Ron, accountant. <laughs> <laughs> I need more money. Sorry. Um. <laughs> All right. So as Mister Cool hands Fawn's tools from a toolbox, uh, Fawn's mentions how they're hopefully getting on course back to 1957. As we talked about, that's the goal. Every week, they're just trying to find their way home. Uh, but next, Cupcake steps over and zaps the Time Warper with her powers. Yes, Cupcake has uncontrollable powers of a very undefined and vague nature. Uh, she fires what looks to be this tricolor beam of red, yellow, and green energy from her fingertips. Very rainbow-looking. And it causes the time machine to spark and wildly malfunction. Uh, Mr. Cool also gets affected for some reason and freezes in place like he's electrocuted. Sadly, he doesn't stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that too. It's like, he just hangs around. He is the worst character. He's the scrappy do of the show. He is awful. He, he is, he is the spike from Mr. T of this show. <laughs> <laughs> so the time machine controls start moving themselves. Ralph tries to grab the lever, but is thrown clear across the room. They notice that the year display on the Time Warper is showing that their next destination is a year ending in 57. So they're all happy, and the first two digits keep counting up. They celebrate as it goes from 1857 to 1957, thinking, all right, we're going to end up back home. But instead, they overshoot their desired destination by a century, and for this episode, end up heading to the year 2057. So, curious about what the Earth will look like in the future, they're shocked to find that the Earth is way off in the distance. Not only are they in the future, but they're also in outer space! That's crazy. <laughs> but also, here's it the is. thing. Here's my problem with this, right? This is supposed to be, they're from, like, these characters from 1957, correct? Yes. All right. The first kind of image, like, they, I'm not sure they know what the Earth really looks like, especially color-wise and outer space, because... The first kind of image of the curvature of Earth came around about 1946, and that was from a V2 rocket going up, and it was like grainy black and white photos of the curvature of the Earth. And then around about, I think only, only the next real image we got of the Earth was in, I think, 1966? Oh, hang on. <laughs> I got a call coming through. It's my fact checker. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's calling and saying, hang on, Hamish, hold on. It's Wolfman Jack. <laughs> hey, Amish. I'm alive. <laughs> do, you just, do you want me to start that bit again? <laughs> Why don't you just keep going? I just keep going. Who cares? 
Yeah, we'll phone Jack. He can, he'll just take a message. But here's the thing, right? So, yeah, in 1946, that was like a grainy uh, photo of the Earth. And then 1966, we actually got a NASA lunar orbiter. I think Orbiter mm-hmm. 1 got like another grainy image of the Earth. So, we didn't see what it looks like in color. It was just this kind of like circle in space. And only by, I think, 1972, we had that uh, image. Was it the blue marble photo? Like, you know, the, the classic image of what the Earth looks like. You know, so we all get this idea of what Earth looks like in space, uh, which was taken by the uh, Apollo 17 mission. And incidentally, Apollo 13 is a movie that was f- directed by Ron Howard. Oh. Hey. <laughs> which stars Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to get back around to that as well. This is, this is, it's this two-pronged thing. One, I don't know the gang from 1957 have any idea what space, like, the Earth looks like from space. They're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. That's all I can assume. It's just like they're in a wacky situation and somebody, it's this alien called Cupcake who tells them, that's Earth. They just have to go, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's it. It's, it's like nowadays we have so much satellite footage and you know, we can get like a, a, a live feed from the International Space Station of what Earth looks like. But for these guys during predictably uh, 1957 here, they're supposed to have no idea about this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like a very vague idea of what Earth looks like from space. And I know this show was set in the 19... Well, it was actually made in the 1980s. So it's like there's all this knowledge that they've got, but they've kind of forgotten that these guys can't know all this stuff. Right. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy show. I'm, <laughs> I, I hate jamming facts into a cartoon about a, you know, a dog that's called Mr. Cool that does silly things and they meet aliens <laughs> and a guy fixes things with his elbow but you know just want to throw it out there but I'm, I'm really happy and glad that we've got about like I think a couple of Ron Howard references in this episode so far <laughs> <laughs> we, we got some Star Wars uh, Han Solo spin-off we got some Arrested Development obviously we got this Happy Days situation and we also got uh, Apollo 13 we're doing pretty well go. if you want to jam in a GTA <laughs> reference go ahead <laughs> So, looking through another window, they also spot not only the Earth on one side, but on the other side, they see this large white spaceship. Uh, I guess it, it's different enough from a Star Destroyer where the show wouldn't get sued. It Almost triangular in shape, but just not quite enough to invoke any memories of Star Wars at this point. Uh, just then, the Happy Days gang's ship is beamed up into this much larger ship. Uh, Ralph freaks out, saying that it'll be just like the movie The Flying Saucers That Ate the Bronx, and that they'll all be turned into zombies. I wish it had. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, that, is that even a real movie? I mean, I'm assuming it's not. No. It seems, very, seems a very specific kind of movie, isn't it? Was it, the, was it the aliens who ate the Bronx? The Flying Saucers actually ate the Bronx. The only uh, close comparison I have to that is The Cars That Ate Paris. It's an Australian film. Oh, yes, yes. It's, it's not really for kids. I'll put that way. I have heard about it, though. A lot of people have heard the name The Cars 8 Paris. It was made about 1974. But that's the only reference I got. But, like, if you were making a movie that ate the Bronx, it's like, really? That specific section. Just a light snack. <laughs> Is Gary, Mar- Gary Marshall might be from the Bronx, now that I think about it. Maybe that's the little reference. I don't know. Uh, but anyway... Ralph is freaking out. He's violently uh, flailing and punching the inside of the ship. And I don't know if you guys caught this. The Fonz just says, hey, calm down. And Ralph immediately does and says, thanks, I needed that. Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) You just need the soothing words of Fonzie. Like, I I assumed he was going to slap him or something like that. 
Right, that's what you would think. He wouldn't slap him. Oh, let me fix that for you. Oh! Elbows him in the the stomach. He's like, oh, I feel great. Also, you fixed my gallbladder. (laughs) I got the magic touch. What can I say? Passes a kidney stone. (laughs) Uh, So next, their their doors open. They're boarded by these kind of brownish, greenish alien robots that have red eyes who say, you will come with us. And the Fonz happily complies. Now, inside the alien ship, the group is led down this long conveyor belt into an interior room. And the robot captors tell them that they are to meet Electra 6000. And the, the Fonz laughs. Oh, it sounds like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> wait, wait. But before that, when they're being led down and Richie's trying to make a case to be let go, he's like, do you know who this is? This is the Fonz. <laughs> It's like, Richie, get some perspective, mate. Like, you're talking to a robot who has... And you're in space. In the future, these are aliens. Apparently, they're supposed to know who the Fonz is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What does even even that mean? It's like, hey, uh, you can't fire me. I'm friends with the Fonz. Like, does that that work for him? It just seems strange. Like, what does he think he's going to do? Like, I don't think Fonz is going to, you know do as much as what Richie believes Fonzie's going to do. Right, and this is their second adventure, so they've done this once already. He, he should understand, uh, you know, they're in a different time and space. He should kind of get a better grasp of what that actually means by now. Yeah, but he doesn't because, you know, it's a, it's a crazy situation. <laughs> so the laps are cut short as this large pedestal now comes up from the floor featuring the queen of the alien robots. This is... Electra 6000. She's sitting on her throne along with an alien robot dog. Now, how would you guys describe uh, the look of Electra 6000 here? I'm going to say female, obviously. Yeah. A female, Definitely a female yeah. robot. Yeah. But, yeah, it's got this kind of Cleopatra vibe going on. Yeah, sort of like a, like sarcophagus or that sort of style. Mm-hmm. Alright, we'll put it this way. Think of C-3PO, but make it a sexy C-3PO. With a shovel-shaped head. <laughs> With a shovel-shaped head. Yeah. Very much in the uh, Cleopatra motif. With a dog and a cape. <laughs> oh my god, I'm, I'm t- I keep going back to Wolfman Jack impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog with a woman, and the woman looks like a robot, and she's gold. That works. I'm leaving. <laughs> no, I was going to say, almost like the robot from Metropolis which also inspired C-3PO. But yeah, this is like, I, I guess this is uh, their way of kind of making it seem like a little Star Wars-y as you get this uh, humanoid gold robot figure. Uh, definitely female, uh, as we'll see. Uh, she's uh, very attracted to the Fonz. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is Electra 6000, the, the sentient robot queen, along with a dog. You know, who... who who built them? Where did they come from? These are questions we'll never get answered, so... You know. <laughs> we can just Sorry. move on. It's the way that... I think the part where the character, obviously... This robot woman uh, obviously has a certain eyes for our hero, the Fonz. Yeah, oh, yes. Definitely. Uh, Electra praises the robot. This uh, We learned that one of the robots that captured the Happy Days gang, or at least, you know, kind of led them off their ship, is named Turkon... 150? 150? She thanks him for capturing the Happy Days gang, especially since, as we mentioned, she is very apparently smitten with the Fonz. Uh, We can tell this because her eyes are blinking red at him. 
Uh, we also see that the uh, robot dog that uh, Electra has is named Phaedra, I believe. Uh, Phaedra is, of course, in love with Mr. Cool, who is the Fonz's canine counterpart, and uh, takes him over to the throne to hug. Uh, Phaedra has these, like, extendable arms and legs and just is constantly wrapping them around Mr. Cool and trying to constrict him. Uh, Cupcake cannot take any of this anymore. She fires a beam at Electra, but the beam simply bounces off of her, then, like, off of another robot, and it ends up zapping Mr. Cool again. Uh, he flies into the air, but Phaedra uses her robot tail like a rope and just pulls him back in. A very odd sequence here. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like a... Uh... Uh, reverse Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Well, it could be very progressive. I mean, it's a robot which has an AI system, assumedly, uh, and it's you know it has a certain affection for human people. You know, it's kind of like Blade Runner in a way. No, I, guys, uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's like hello, no, hello. No, Are we still recording? <laughs> it's like no, no, Hamish. We're just gonna let you go on that one. Come on, it's. I mean, we're, come on, guys. We're living in the future now, assumedly, uh, depending on which time. Well, you are to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I'm in Australia, uh, but you know, come on. It's like the, the the robot queen hasn't found a robot king, but maybe she's not really into robots. Maybe she's into you know fleshy men. You know, it's just you know she's allowed to have preferences and choices. She's just exploring her options, maybe. And uh, it's not her fault that there's a certain attraction because we all know that Fonzie is somewhat of a chick magnet. Right. That, that's why hey. I think it's not even... I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> talk over your A. You're uh, all business. <laughs> You're all business. No, but it's just... I'm thinking of that. It, it's, it, it's not even that Electra 6000 or whatever number it is. Uh, it's not even that she has like this preference towards you know human males or whatever. She's not looking at Richie Cunningham and Ralph Malf in the least. I think it's just that the Fonz has this supernatural ability to fix things with his elbow and attract every female or female-like thing uh, in all times and places in the universe. I, I think that's what it's more saying. So more or less, uh, you're saying that Fonzie is like... Well, the Doctor in the newest series of Doctor Who, where for some reason, any way or capacity, every woman is somehow infatuated with him. I don't watch that show. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really watch Doctor Who. I think the, the Rift Tracks live show that's coming up will probably be like the third episode of Doctor Who I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this well, this this show is very well. Right now, this episode we're talking about is very kind of Doctor Who. I mean, they go in time, they go to some place, they're going you know haphazardly through time. Yeah. And the uh, the robot henchmen kind of sound like the uh, the Daleks. <laughs> Exterminate <laughs> or Cybermen? Yeah. Eh? The the Cybermen. That's some reference that I'm getting, isn't it? Then you guys. The cy- <laughs> the Cybermen guys guys. You're saying you're saying words that I've heard of. <laughs> Cyber house rules. You know what you know what Daleks are, but you don't know what Cybermen are. Yes. Everyone knows what Daleks are. This is a strange situation. <laughs> okay, so getting back on track here, uh, Turcon is next ordered by Electra to take the gang on a tour of the ship while the Fonz is left with her. So now alone, Electra tells the Fonz that his friends will be taken care of, and so will he. And uh, he tells her that he likes to keep his women and his machines separate, adding that uh, this is like trying to date a Buick. 
which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) She's coming on a little strong. Hey, 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 she's a queen. She can do whatever she likes. Evidently. So while Phaedra continues to chase Mr. Cool around, Electra calls Fonzie handsome, while he says that she reminds him of a jukebox he used to know. Which is pretty funny. I was waiting for the elbow to to come into play, but no. So meanwhile, uh, Richie tries to explain to his captors that this is just a misunderstanding. Uh, They're just looking for 1957. And he says that that's kind of an odd way of phrasing. I'm just looking for 1957. But we see why he says it this way, because it leads into a stupid joke where one of the robots speaks up saying that he is 1957. Zorak 1957. Uh, Richie clarifies, no, Milwaukee 1957, and Zorak says, never heard of him. I think it's great comedy. I think this is the prelude. <laughs> this this so kind of comedy stupid. is very much in line, let's say, with Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the best joke in the episode. <laughs> Seriously. And, and I thought it was funny, too, where we get these names like, uh, you know, Electra, Turcon, or whatever, and Zorak. Zorak, of course, is the uh, the Mantis alien from... Yeah. From Space Ghost. Uh, they couldn't come up with a different Hanna-Barbera name for a character, so we got another Zorak in Hanna-Barbera cartoons. <laughs> Zorak 1957. <laughs> this, this is so awful. So next, we get clear tubes falling from above on Richie, Cupcake, and Ralph. Uh, demanding to know what this is for, they're shown a tube firing scrap metal and debris up into the void of space. But instead of doing anything to the Happy Days gang, the robots just leave, saying, We will be back. Fair enough. (laughs) All I could think of when the tubes came down was uh, just this island Earth. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. So Cupcake tries to use her powers to, quote, turn things around, but all that happens is they just get flipped inside of the tubes very uncomfortably. Uh, so back in the control room, Electra tells the Fawns about her mission to destroy the Earth. Of course. Uh, she'll just pull a lever, and the Earth will be gone 24 hours later. And she and Fonzie will rule space together. <laughs> what a delay. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it needs to warm up. It really, it's, a, <laughs> it's an old laser. It's made of tubes. Hand crank, you know, you gotta kind of wind it up first. and Yeah. It's the same technology that they have in that Harvey Birdman episode. You know, beep, oh, yeah. Yeah. Half an hour. Tubes. <laughs> but actually, funnily enough, later on in the episode, time becomes irrelevant. If, if you notice about this, this half an oh, hour yes. rule. It's great. But I like how she's really getting to know Fonzie, really just explaining what she's all about. You know, it's, it's great that she really wants to make a connection with Fonz. You know, she obviously she's really into him. I just wants to know that, you know, this is the level that she's on. Maybe you could, you know, join him on her level. Just, you know, we just really become part of her life. <laughs> and they just met and all of a sudden he was now worked into her master plan, which how, who knows how long they've been working on this. All of a sudden... This guy from the ship they just captured. Yes, uh, we will rule the universe together. Yeah, and, and of course it's, you know, the stereotypical bad guy explains to the good guys, here's the plot. That, yep. <laughs> here's my evil plan. This is what I'm going to do. <sighs> Don't touch this lever. That would <laughs> <Yes>. stop it. <laughs> in, in, in a vague way, it, it is kind of Star Warsian because it's like we'll rule the galaxy or universe. Kind of like in that other movie where... The guy says to the other guy, we'll rule the galaxy as something, something. Yes, but imagine that they fired on Alderaan and it took like four movies until it actually happened. 
Well, you know, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm about to say, so slow. I'm about to say, like, you know, it's like, well, it's only a simple thing. They could have done it in one movie, but then realized, oh, Lord of the Rings took a while. Yes, that, that yes, did take that's true. quite a while. It's like just throw this into a fire. <laughs> okay, three movies later. <laughs> So, Electra shares this plan. Fonzie rejects it, saying, you know, hey, no talking washing machines are going to rub out the earth while I'm around. He tries to leave, but now he's confronted by Turkon. The Fonz gives him fair warning, then just kind of crouches as Turkon advances and simply <laughs> rises, which flips him out of the frame. Like, really terrible cartoon action here. Okay, so they did want to animate him doing a full fight sequence thing. He's just like, hey, you better watch it. But I like what he says afterwards, because after he does a whole weird arms out, gentle ducking, the robot just falls over him. He says like, I told you, what does he say? I told you to look out. Well, maybe you should listen to me next time. <laughs> he says a tough guy line after doing something which was very soft. Yes, very. It was kind of like uh, in the Mr. T episode where Mr. T just stands there and they like bounce off of him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just becomes an and, obstacle. And, and does he, Fonzie call him Turd Can? Oh, does he? I don't know. There was one, at one point during this episode, I could have sworn he called him, like, Turd Can. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, like, well, at least Henry Winkler read the name as Turk, Turkan, I think? I think it's the accent. Electric says Turkan, so maybe that's what it was, but maybe he did say Turd Can. It's hard to hear. You know, these aren't the, like, yeah. the best quality uh, episodes that we saw. Well, it's called Turkan, right? I believe so, but it's so hard to tell. Turkan. Yeah, I can see where it sounds kind of like you think you're saying turd can. It's just the accent. I guess. But, like, it's it's not even really much of an insult, is it? He's a robot. He doesn't know what, what pooping is. <laughs> I don't know what he means. Uh, no. Like, I don't know what he means. There's a valve. I use that. <laughs> a valve. I don't know how these robots work. Who knows? Now, further into the ship, Fonzie and Mr. Cool look for the rest of the gang. Uh, Mr. Cool somehow communicates that he can track them and starts sniffing the floor. But this leads them, of course, right to a guard robot. And in a very odd moment, Mr. Cool quickly leaves and returns with a giant key strapped to his back in an attempt to convince the robot that he's some sort of wind-up toy. But then he quickly abandons this plan and runs away. Like, okay, so... So dumb. Changing the reality. Yeah, does he just walk Ridiculous. into a wall or something like that and it falls off him? I guess. And, like, the I, I robot doesn't really happened. react at all. It's just like, okay, this is happening. Like, he's going to know what a wind-up toy is. I mean, ask ask kids nowadays. Kids wouldn't even know what that is with a key that you use to wind up a, a tin toy. Ask kids what a Game Boy is. They would have no idea what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask kids what a Game Boy camera is. Still no idea. But if you ask kids what a spinners, oh, apparently they all know what spinners are. So they next hear Ralph screaming, and they run over to the room that they're being held captive in. The Fonz casually taps Ralph's tube with his knuckle, and all three tubes rise back up to the ceiling, freeing <laughs> the entire gang. So more of this, like, supernatural quality that the Fonz has, where he can just manipulate things just by touch. Uh, he tells them of the robot's plan to blow up the Earth, and uh, fearing that Turkon and the other robots will soon be back, Cupcake zaps a door, making it disappear, and they are all able to flee. So she can use her powers sometimes, uh, but most of the time, no. I just don't get that power set. I really, really have no idea. 
even even if she was part of the X-Men, even Professor Xavier would be like, I have no idea what she's doing. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Wolverine, he's got the healing factor. Storm can control the elements. And you have the second worst powers next to Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it really is just to service the plot. Yeah, uh, if they, if something needs to go wrong, it's going to be Cupcake's fault. If uh, they really need a Deus Ex Cupcakea, it's going to be her, you know, <laughs> firing her rainbow beam at something and saving the day. It can be anything. They never define it, so they don't have to worry about you know being held in by parameters logic wise. So her whole power set thing is MacGuffin. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> That's why she's probably called Cupcake because Cupcake MacGuffin. Yeah, Cupcake <laughs> MacGuffin. Oh, Cupcake, use uh, your powers. Which you've got from blah, 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 something, something, something. We ain't gonna talk about it. Let's go. Yeah, she's from the future. The future, man. Cupcake. Doesn't uh, matter. The future. <laughs> Open the door. There I am. That was Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> is, he still, is he still doing that voice all the time? Because now I just want an entire show with just that voice. Uh, he Unfortunately, Wolfman Jack has passed away. But, I know, but we could still yeah. just use the voice. We have technology. Oh, I gotta get we my mail. Him? What? We can rebuild him? Yeah. Is that what you were gonna say? <laughs> the six million dollar Wolfman Jack man. <laughs> Wolfman Jack. Oh, okay. See, I couldn't get it in the right order. Does that work better? Oh, I'm alive! Here to uh, take on the 21st century. I don't understand computers. <laughs> She's back in the Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, have you seen Sarah Connor? I'm here to destroy her. Oh, I'll be back. (laughs) That's his whole thing. Because like, I'll be back. Oh. (laughs) Come with me if you want to (laughs) live. Actually, here's the thing. Can we just do that for the next Terminator? Arnold Schwarzenegger doing a Wolfman Jack impression. Hasta la vista, baby. No, it has to be slightly worse than that. Because he has to be like, I'll be back. Kind of like that, but like, I'll be back. <laughs> that even sounds worse. Well, you can tell for the hitting play listener. You can tell how bad a show is when we go off the rails this often. <laughs> I, just, I just want Arnold Schwarzenegger just to attempt that impression. <laughs> hey, Arnie, can you do this impression of Wolfman Jack? I don't know who that is. <laughs> just, just read these lines. <laughs> Fonzie and the gang are going back in time. There's a woman, she's called Cupcake. <laughs> oh, man, that's, I'll, I'll say that for, like, uh, the Terminator animated series. There you go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so so back to the episode. They're, they're getting chased by more robots. And the gang ends up at... The ship's Death Star-looking docking bay. Now, this looked like a scene right out of Star Wars. We see that the time machine is sitting there. It's being very uh, heavily guarded by robots. But uh, what did you, you guys get a Death Star vibe out of this scene? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's like it almost looks like they just kind of took a snapshot of the <laughs> of the screen going Str- to the movies. Yeah, and- str- strangely enough, they're getting um, closer on track to a, a Star Wars parody. Like, very 
close. Yeah, it moved the needle from zero to point one, but yes. If you, yeah, if you squint and turn your head sideways. <laughs> <laughs> so Fonzie suggests that they instead uh, go try to sneak into one of the other ships. There's, there's other ships there, not just the time machine being captured, but uh, there's star jets. They're a very clever name for these things. It's a star jet. So Fonzie suggests, why don't we take a star jet and escape? Because and, obviously he'd know how to fly one. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, the, the Earth is in danger. You're in the future, so you're not even where you want to be. Why leave the time machine behind? So Richie asks, you know, why would they bother? The Earth is in imminent danger. But the Fonz just replies, hey, would I let the Earth down? I got plans. Which, you know, he really hasn't got plans at all. Is the issue with this? Fonzie's doing a lot of heavy lifting in this show. I gotta say, he's saving people, he's running around, he's elbowing things to save his friends. What are Richie and uh, Ralph Melf bringing to the table? Not much, but that's why Fonzie got top billing here. You know, he, they're just part of the gang. <laughs> Fonzie and these wastes of spaces. <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> so. So just as they're spotted again, they make a break for the elevator on the docking bay floor that takes them directly up into the Starjet. And just to pause, I can't believe I'm just saying all this stuff about the characters from Happy Days. You know, it's like, <laughs> in the middle of me watching this, I wrote that in my notes that it's like, all right, so Fonzie and Richie Cunningham, Ralph Malf are going into an elevator up into a Starjet on a space robot alien docking bay and trying to save the earth from imminent danger from a laser it's so insane well you know it is a crazy thing sure but uh, not as crazy as let's say the golden girls owning a hotel <laughs> the call was a golden palace <laughs> yeah there we go yeah i don't know how they Which, made that uh, that leap and they thought that was a good idea uh golden girls uh, written many episodes written by mitchell Hurwitz, creator of arrested development Starring Ron Howard. Yeah, see, see, uh, see. Okay. I'm, I'm keeping it on brand here, even though I I'm keep trying. Going, to, I'm trying. I keep going off on the Wolfman Jack thing, but you know, I'm keeping it on brand. I, I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of you know, maybe one day somehow Ron Howard will listen to this podcast. Yeah, then freeze the podcast and cut to Ron Howard saying, "I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So the robots are trying to close the docking bay doors. You know, if you can picture what it looked like uh, in Star Wars A New Hope inside of the Death Star, we had that, like, kind of giant opening. So we get pretty much the same looking thing. But now it's closing from the top and the bottom. You know, we're going to get a little bit of suspense here. So the robots are trying to close it. It's very slow, but Fonzie flies him out through the narrow opening just as it closes, just in time. However, right behind them, the robots send out several star jets after them. And we should note, these star jets look just like fighter jets. So not yeah. only is this like an advanced robot civilization, it's also from the future, but their jets look like 20th century Earth jets. <laughs> it's like, it's so stupid. It's not clever in the least. Hey, it's a, it's a good design. Maybe they saw something good and then we're like, that's a, that's a pretty sick design. We like that. It doesn't need to be aerodynamic <laughs> in space. Who cares? It looks great. It looks cool. Not, not everything needs to be look like a round. Well, here's the thing. Their main spaceship looks like that a circular, a weird, typical spaceship spaceship. A cartoon spaceship. It looks like a cartoon spaceship for aliens. Yes. That's, a, that's the best description I got. Could have used other words. But, um... <laughs> Flying saucer? 
Flying saucer, <laughs> there we go. It looks like a flying saucer. <laughs> but here's the thing. No one's really firing at them, if you notice. No one's really got guns. Mm, here's here's one true. thing about about this. It's like, I've, you know, other cartoons might have characters with, like, you know, magic laser weapons. But there's, like, no shooting guns, anything like that in this show at all. Yeah, I mean, so far, I believe the most violence we've seen is the fawns kind of crouching down and standing up as a robot flips <laughs> over in and out of frame. <laughs> So, Richie praises the Fawn's flying abilities here, you know, because like you said, uh, you know, how is he going to know how to fly the thing? Well, of course, he's the Fawn's, he knows how to fly it, and he's doing an amazing job, and uh, the Fawn's just attributes it to having a way with technology. So, this is just kind of a reference, calling out that running gag from Happy Days, as we've talked about, bumping the jukebox... Um, you know, bumping the time warper, knocking on the glass tubes, anything he does, uh, he just has that magic touch that somehow, you know, he can uh, change technology to work uh, in his favor, I guess. Strange enough, that spaceship they're flying, was it the, sp- the star fighter, whatever it is, it seems to have a gear shift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I get the spaceship so in neutral. Clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> yeah. Let me get it back to first. Clunk, 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 clunk. Oh, can't find him, grind him. <laughs> <laughs> what was the indicator in this thing? But it was just, it's just such a weird thing that what was just kind of a running gag in the show that was just like, oh, he's not supernatural, but, you know, Fonzie's got this, like, magical touch. Well, here it's reworked into a command over inorganic substances and technology <laughs> for the purpose of the show. <laughs> So stupid. Oh, what you're missing is the origin story of Fonzie, where, let's say, Zeus blesses him with these powers. Fonzie, you are the chosen one, the man of technology, my unspoken son. Let's say that. <laughs> it wouldn't be any crazier than what we're getting into here. I know, I'd be, I'd, know? I'd be totally into it. And then he gets blessed with this magical jacket and stuff like that. Like, gives, him, <laughs> gives him the powers of Hercules. Oh, I'm back, and I'm Zeus. It's a twist. <laughs> Wolfman Jack. <laughs> oh, it's a That's crazy right. Yeah. <laughs> the elbows will never wear out on this jacket. As many times as you bump them. Hold on, if you're going to do Zeus, you have to do the Wolfman Jack Zeus. Because then that's, that's, now that's canon. <laughs> uh, no patches needed, man. You just bump the elbows as many times as you want. It's never going to wear out. <laughs> <laughs> Just now I gotta drink some tea because my throat's killing me. <laughs> Just any time the Wolfman Jack impression. It's just it's just it's just a great impression that the whole family can enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what am I doing out here? Ah, I'm lost in time. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> All right, so. After getting their sights on the Earth in front of them, and now we see the moon behind them, they notice that they're getting pursued by this group of star jets, and Ralph begins to cry. Oh. And so Fonzie tells him, you know, hey, I never lost a race, and I don't intend to now. However, the robots are really quickly closing in, and he declares, well, speed isn't everything. Cupcake offers to use her powers in this instance, but instead he opts for what he describes as a Fonzarelli wheelie, which we find out is another term for just reversing direction. <laughs> it's like yeah. nothing at all like a motorcycle wheelie. <laughs> you know, wheelies, <laughs> like jets do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you remember that thing in space where uh, they pull a wheelie? It's like that. Space, space wheelie. 
Because, you know, <laughs> it's really... the, the vertical up and down really does work in, you know, in space, doesn't it? You know, oh, yes. Uh, as, as shown in Apollo 13. Remember that movie where they did a... They did a. They drifted around the moon, or, and they did some cool <laughs> stuff. And like they're like, "Oh, this is bodacious!" And Tom Hanks was like, "Wow, this is great." The constellation Orion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want. I want him as Mission Control. That'd be even better. <laughs> We're gonna help you guys. Houston, we have a problem, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's still so calm and cool about it too. <laughs> oh no! This is totally uncool. You dig? Catch you later. You know, it's just awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many movies and shows he could be in. Uh, okay, so getting back to the episode here, we just saw the space wheelie, which just means, you know, going in reverse. Uh, so they fly past the entire fleet of star jets and now head straight for the moon. Uh, we next get a chase on the surface of the moon for some reason. Uh, the Fonz is just expertly navigating the star jet around these, like, moon crags. <laughs> like, the moon is very, very mountainous here. And the robots are just starting to crash. Like, they are not as experienced as the Fonz. Uh, again, what in the world am I saying? Hey, remember the episode of Happy Days where Fonz was flying an aircraft? But he's flying really... On the moon? Flying really low. <laughs> Oh. You know, that, that episode of Fun- Happy Days where, like, he, you know, Fonzie is, like, flying a, a jet fighter and, like, you know, Ralph Mouth's like, you can't fly a jet fighter! And then he's like, hey, I'm gonna do it! And he does that and, like, you know, he flies it really close to Milwaukee and flies through all the landmarks <laughs> of Milwaukee. Uh, I think it was a good episode. It was. It came after, yeah, yeah. Came after the uh, uh, Jumping the Shark. The Mork yeah. one. Yeah, the Mork yeah. one, the Jumping the Shark one, the one how um, Fonzie becomes a lawyer. Uh, the one where Ralph Melf dies, but comes back alive as a robot, but then you realize it actually is Ralph Melf the entire time, and the one where Richie <laughs> renames himself Archie, and then he goes back to calling himself Richie, because he realizes that's a crazy thing to do, because it just sounds like the same name. Uh, <laughs> yes. We're in an episode where Archie goes, no wait, Richie and Archie both meet up, and then they go to <laughs> Cheers and meet Sam and Diane? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. That was a classic episode. (laughs) Everyone yells, Fonz, as the Fonz enters. And they're all escorted out because they're too young to drink. Uh, Well, yeah, that's when Mr. (laughs) T comes in. He's like, you guys can't drink here. (laughs) You guys got to get out of here. And he, like, you know, escorts them out, you know, slowly. But Fonz's like, hey, he's the elbow and, you know, makes everything cool. Oh, my goodness. All right, so... So, back back to the episode here. With one robot left, Fonzie leads him into a giant moon crater where they kind of just fly around the inside rim, and the centrifugal force is too strong for the robot to pull out for some reason, uh, but the gang escapes, even though they're flying identical ships. Yeah, Shouldn't really... happen that way. <laughs> and again, uh, they're robots. They're, they're programmed. <laughs> you know, yes. they should be able to do this. <laughs> Here's, here's my problem. All the robots identify themselves with, like, different numbers. Like, it's a unique number to them. Are they alive? It certainly seems that way, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I got kind of worried where it's like, hang on. These people, like, these robots have, like, personalities and, like, different voices, by the way, as well. And their queen is some sort of humanoidish. I guess, the example that they all want to be as human as possible and robotically like her. Is he, like, you know, technically killing people? Yeah. Okay. 
you know, sentient things are dying. You know, they're they're inorganic, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they mentioned they're alien robots. They are not of Earth origin. Presumably so- somebody built them, but uh, nobody on Earth. They are living things. There's no uh, other type of creatures on that ship. Yeah, so Fancy technically can be like a Blade Runner or something like that. Again, you can try to push it to be like Blade Runner. It's nowhere near. <laughs> it's it's. I'm trying. Yeah, you know, I'll give you a shot. You want to hear Wolfman so, Jack and Blade Runner? Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's time to die. Uh, tears in the rain. <laughs> uh, so. As the gang now flies back towards Earth, looking on from the robot spaceship, Electra decides to let them go because, hey, she's destroying Earth anyway. I mean, that should have been right away where, okay, go ahead, escape, make a break for it. She should have put them on Earth. Here, you want to go there? Go ahead. You know, but... Yeah. So now she's just letting them go. She next pulls a lever on the control panel in front of her, activating a 24-hour <laughs> countdown timer. Again... The slowest laser beam in the universe. So, Electra and Turkon laugh maniacally as dramatic music plays, and we mercifully fade to black. And so this brings us to a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves, we'll pay some bills, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, this episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by Earthy Bag Snacks. Now I know what you're thinking. Another subscription box service. Now this... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's this idiot doing? No, 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 no. Ah! Man! Ah! Ah! Oh yeah, there's my arm bone. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, they have a wide variety of pretzels and chips, uh, some uh, gluten-free options as well. Uh, don't take my word for it. Check it out. Uh, Earthy Bag Snacks. And we're back. All right, so when we return... Uh, the Happy Days gang is headed back towards Earth. Uh, they look forward to seeing the Earth again, even though it's the future. You know, they're, they're not going to be familiar with anything. Everybody that they know is going to be gone. Plus, they know about the plan to destroy the Earth, so you're only going to get a day at the very most. So, uh, Fonzie's Are, are they surpri- hoping there's another time machine on the Earth or something? I have no idea. Remember, they ask him, like, what, what, what's going to happen? Fonzie's like, I got plans. So, Okay. what is the plan so Fonzie surprises them by abruptly now reversing course sending them back to the moon why space wheelie yeah again another wheelie (laughs) what was that all about that made no sense so meanwhile Electra now lands her ship on the surface of the moon where she declares that the earth only has 19 hours left which means Fonzie flew the Starjet for five hours before changing course for the moon. So in that commercial break, they're just like heading to the Earth, just sitting around, haven't eaten, haven't used the facilities. Five hours. And now, check this out. <laughs> Back to the moon. Is is a very Wait. slow change in conscience. What were they doing in that five hours? Just sitting there going, so we're all going to die down there? 
<laughs> but it's the future. We don't know what's what's like down there. Oh, what money is? Hey, don't worry, Richie. I got a plan. What's the plan? Give me five hours. Yeah, really. <laughs> so now approaching the moon, the gang spots the robot's mothership. Oh wait, wait. Just a weird side note. Is there a base already on the moon? No, that's yes. the mothership. No, 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 the, no, no. There's the, a base next to it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, the ship lands in this little crater, but then next to it, there's a little, like, shack. Little building. Oh, really? See, I didn't see that. I thought that was... I thought the ship landed there, and I thought that's what the base was. Wow, okay, so... Apparently, they've been there for years. I guess. Maybe it's the Inhumans. No. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Let's not even go there. So, the gang spots the robot's mothership... And the Fonz activates autopilot so he can take a closer look. (laughs) Like, why did you have autopilot on from the very beginning? So, of course, Mr. Cool takes the opportunity to recklessly steer the Starjet back and forth over the surface of the moon. But, fortunately, this moment has zero consequences. Like, just Mr. Cool mutters up. That dog is the worst. (laughs) It's like, like, okay, we're in a situation which is kind of dicey. And I was like, all right, I'm going to turn automatic pilot. Let's go and do some heroic stuff for once. And then all of a sudden, the dog's like, I'm going to have some fun and just really mess this whole thing up. And it's like, why, man? <laughs> Don't do that. Plus, why even bother saving the Earth in the future when they have the time machine? They're going to go into the past anyway. Because the- then they can tell the story of how, you know, uh, Fonzie save the future which would be a great story when they go back to milwaukee and they're like oh you won't believe it fonzie saved the future how do you know because we're in the future but when's that gonna happen in the future but like when we get to that point we won't ever know that he saved us yeah (laughs) yeah you can claim anything you want you can let the earth blow up as long as that time machine is safe they're gonna fix all the the problems anyway but whatever so Cutting to the moon's surface, we see the gang Starjet make a straight drop landing right next to Electra's ship. And Fonzie babbles something about sneaking up on them. It's like, no, that is not sneaking up on them. (laughs) Probably don't want to let your dog fly around and drop down right next to them. Probably not the best sneak attack. Okay, so now that they've landed, they need space helmets. And that is quickly solved as Cupcake now zaps everybody's heads with her beams, making clear glass space helmets that materialize perfectly in place. Uh, Richie says that they look like goldfish bowls, and we see that Mr. Cool's helmet actually is a goldfish bowl, complete with water and a swimming goldfish. And unfortunately, unfortunately, he doesn't drown. <laughs> yes, he's able to, <laughs> to breathe. Uh, Really, they all should not be able to breathe with just a simple glass helmet. Also, seeing as the success rate of Cupcake's powers, uh, do you really want her beaming your head? I'm surprised, like, at least one of them didn't get their head exploded. Like, oh, there goes Ralph. (laughs) I like that. We all knew it was going to be Ralph who would die in that situation, didn't we? (laughs) It wasn't going to be Richie. No. Just like, oh, there goes Ralph. Hey, why have I got this plastic bag on my head? (laughs) (laughs) So, now out on the lunar surface, Richie remarks how they're the first Earth people to land on the moon. Because remember, like you said, Hamish, they're from 1957. And I that confused me at first, and then I went, oh yeah, that's right. This is from 1980, but these characters yeah. from, are from 1957. I'm but surprised. it's 2077. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the problem, right? They're yeah. in the future, so that means they'll be able to see the flag that's been planted there. And be like, hey, what's that flag doing there? That's true, that's true. But I was surprised that they 
even bothered putting that in the script. Like, somebody remembered, oh, wait a minute, these characters aren't even from 1980. They're from 57, so they hmm. predate the moon landing, which I was surprised. But they know what the Earth looks like, like you mentioned. So some things they know, some things they don't. It feels kind of erroneous because, again, it's the this is the 1980s cartoon. And it's like, oh, we're the first people in the moon. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. Some kid failed a history test that week. You know it. Mm. It's like, well, Richie and Fonzie and Cupcake and Ralph Mouth and a dog and, and on the moon, but there's a future and they're robots. A plus, right? Ah, uh, Jimmy, we're going to hold you back a year. Uh... <laughs> then, then over the PA. Oh, no, Jimmy. It seems like you have fallen into a situation which you can't get out. Oh, baby. Come on down to detention. <laughs> Spend some time after school. Yeah. Summer school all summer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, here's the thing. If someone's going, going you got to go to summer school. It's summer school 24-7 for you, Jimmy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm fine with that. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, you know Wolfman Jack summer school would be spelt like S apostrophe C-O-O-L. K and then a bunch of Z's in there as well. <laughs> Summer school. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. Hey, hey, we have respect for him. It's just that we don't have any respect for this cartoon. That's true. That's true. All right, so back to this terrible cartoon. Now they at this point, I they spotted the robot mothership, or is this the base at this point that's guarded by the robots? Is this the base? I think it's the moon base because they've landed. Uh, so I think it is the moon base. Okay, well, I, either way, they, they see that now where they have to go is guarded by three robots. Uh, Ralph had a plan, which involved some gum, some string, and uh, the entire U.S. Air Force, but uh, lacking at least one-third of his requirements, they settled on instead listening to Mr. Cool's plan, which seemed to be just punch some of the robots. Hmm. And uh, as Mr. Cool was, like, acting out these punches, he trips on some moon rocks, falls down a crater, and accidentally bowls through three robots, smashing them into pieces. Like, very fragile construction here. So, seeing the ground now littered with robot parts, Fonzie comes up with this great plan to get inside the ship. <laughs> so, we next cut inside the ship, where the Happy Days gang is very clumsily wearing robot parts as a disguise, which is even more disturbing now that we kind of have established they are living things. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. It's kind of a Star Wars reference. Get it? They're wearing the, uh, technically the uniforms of the enemy to get around their base. That's true. That's true. That one did not occur to me. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> evidently, this disguise is good enough. Even though you can very clearly see, like, no, this is just the gang wearing parts very haphazardly. But Electra is now briefing them on Earth's destruction in six hours. So, for those of you keeping track of the timeline here, it took Fonz and the Happy Days gang 13 hours to land the ship next to the mothership, get out, and walk like 100 feet over to it, and slap some robot parts on. That took more than half of a day. <laughs> Did you happen to notice, like, one of the characters, like, that has the robot arms? It's clearly just robot arms, like, not actual, like, his arms in the arms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so weird looking. 
He was that Richie or something? I think so. Like Richie, R- Richie looks like uh, a proto version of Cyclops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got like he's got like the robot eyes. He's got like the head thing. He's got like the I don't know why he's got like the weird robot claw hands. Okay, so back to the episode. Now knowing Earth only has six hours, the gang agrees to split up. So Richie and Ralph, they're gonna go try to find the time machine. That's what they should have done this whole time instead of flying halfway to Earth and back. Uh, <laughs> the, well, Fonzie and Cupcake are now going to, oh, we're going to go over here and try to save Earth. Again, no need if you're trying to find the time machine. You don't need to save Earth, but they're going to try to do both. So they split up. They walk pretty much freely around the mothership or the base, uh, even while robots are all over the place guarding it. Uh, the Fonz, Cupcake, and Mr. Cool encounter two robots who ask if they're new. And the Fonz is like, what does he say? Like, oh yeah, we're uh, the new recruits from Pluto. And that's pretty much accepted. Like, oh, okay, they're from Pluto. So one robot attempts to get them security clearances. And while he's doing that, Fonzie opens a panel on the robot's back and makes modifications that he equates to uh, working on a hot rod. Whatever he does, the robot remarks that it feels strange, and then he starts to spin. And he spins so fast that we see nothing but a blur occupying almost most of the frame, really. And Fonzie tells the other robot that, oh, he was just going for a spin around the block. So stupid. So, Mr. Cool makes the same modifications to the other robot, causing it, too, to spin uncontrollably. And uh, if you notice, Mr. Cool is thrown from the spinning robot onto Fonzie's robot helmet, which looks like he sits directly on a very sharp antenna, but uh, no harm, I guess. I don't know if you guys caught that, but it was like, oh, ouch. (laughs) No, he's fine. So finally, they make it to uh, Electra's control room, where did you catch the timer on the screen when they finally make it back to her? Five minutes? Five hours? It says nine colon three nine. So, uh, like, what does that mean? So, I figured it means, like, one of three things. Either it's just the time of day, but again, why would alien robots bother with Earth time from one specific time zone? Uh, It either means maybe nine hours, 39 minutes until Earth's destruction, but then for some reason the timer counted up almost four hours after Fonzie and the gang were briefed a few scenes ago, Or it could mean 9 minutes 39 seconds until Earth's destruction. But if that's the case, it means that they've been spending over five and a half hours just walking around. So not really springing into action. (laughs) So, like, it just means, like, nothing. It's so stupid. No thought was put into it. There's a whole other section with Wolfman Jack going, Oh, looks like the gang's lost. Take a left. Now take a right. No, the other right. He's there, Obi-Wan. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's the Obi-Wan in this situation. We got a Scooby-Doo hallway situation going on here. <laughs> Where, which Scooby-Doo hallway situation? One of the doors where they go in each each door where they're being chased or just yep. walking around uh, <laughs> as the plate keeps looping? <laughs> yeah. It's Hanna-Barbera, man. The backgrounds are just repeat. The backgrounds are on repeat. <laughs> oh. With your uh, extra time, you could spend your time watching a film with your best girl. I suggest American Graffiti. Again, Ron Howard. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Wolfman Jack. And uh, George Lucas. Yeah, and uh, Han Solo. 
Also known as Harrison Ford. Yeah. That also, was I made two Harris, I made two Harrison Ford re- references, and you didn't pick up on that. You know, I got the Han oh, Solo yeah. movie thing. I got the other thing. I got the. Uh. It is strange. You know, you got Ron Howard directing a Han Solo uh, solo movie, and he appeared in uh, American Graffiti with Han Solo himself. Well, I thought you were referring to Blade Runner, but yeah, that too. Yeah, it appeared in the Han Solo was in Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What am I doing here? I gotta get another robot. <laughs> It's, it's him chasing after C-3PO the entire time. What are we doing? Get off my blade, runner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, I've seen things you wouldn't believe. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, al- the, the alternative of that is instead of C-3PO, it's just R2-D2. So that soliloquy at the end of it, uh, his little monologue, doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> Uh, Just a bunch of bleeps and bloops with Harrison Ford going, going, uh, right, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, tears in the rain. Uh, like Bantha Milk in the Rain. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Nothing makes Wol- sense anymore. Wolfman, ja- Wolfman Jack, the humanoid <laughs> robot in Star Wars? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what? Why is it raining Bantha Milk? Because there's no logic. There's no. There's nothing. It, nothing makes sense in this episode of Hitting Play. Enjoy, everybody. Is it bathroom milk blue? Why is rain blue then? Because like cupcake a, touched it. It's like an there Ewok in the rain. Problem solved. <laughs> All right. Oh, anyway. Cupcake, what are you doing? All right. Let's. let's oh, wait, by the way, here's the thing. Fonzie keeps calling cupcake cuppers. Does he? Yeah. He keeps it. Hey, cuppers, what are you doing? Oh, I never, never even caught that. No, I, I had to pick it up because I thought he was talking to somebody else. Like, I thought he said, like, Coopers or something like that. I was like, no, he's, he's calling Cupcake Cuppers. Wow. Hey, Cuppers, let's do this. Let's do that. <laughs> hey. We're at, the, we're at the, the crucial point here. Oh, yes. We're, yeah, definitely. So we don't know what that timer means. I'm presuming nine minutes left. Let's just say it means nine minutes left till the Earth is destroyed. So now Electra, along with the robot dog Phaedra, rise once again from a pedestal underneath the floor to face the intruders. She asks who they are, and the Fonz claims uh, they're the cleanup crew, although Electra swears she's seen him before. Meanwhile, Mr. Cool starts to dust Phaedra, you know, trying to keep up the appearances of a maintenance crew, and this causes the robot to sneeze. Why? How do robots do that? <laughs> And uh, it is a robot sneeze because it's so powerful. It just blows the robot armor right off of Mr. Cool. We now see exactly who it is. And Phaedra has hearts over her eyes. Happy to see him again. But now, because of Mr. Cool being revealed, Electra knows exactly what's up. So the Fonz casually snaps his fingers, causing both his and Cupcake's armor to fall off their bodies. He's got that magic touch. Again, Everybody, given to everybody's magical in this. What in the world is happening? Hey, the only two people who aren't magical, Ralph Melf, <laughs> that that dog, and uh, Richie Cunningham. Oh, man. So, Cupcake runs over to a control panel to pull a lever, which she announces will dismantle the destruction ray. Okay. Okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> Making things even more confusing, if you notice the screen above her when she does this, it now reads 05 colon 0. Which, what, what's that? Five minutes left? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world does that mean? So, 
Anyway, Cupcake pulls the lever, which instead allows the robot Turcon to enter the room. Cupcake begs the Fonz to let her use her powers, but he'd rather take care of the problem by himself. And, uh, did you guys see how he took care of the problem here? Um, he fixed his hair? Kevin, did you, did you notice? I'm, I'm gonna guess his elbow? No, see, you guys didn't notice it because he does nothing. He just stands there, <laughs> and he lets Turkon attempt a punch that misses by a good yard, and he punches right into the countdown screen behind them, which I guess is fine. It doesn't work anyway. It just says zero five colon zero, so it doesn't doesn't matter if he breaks it. But Turkon starts to like get electrocuted. So while that happens, Cupcake decides, well, she's going to use her powers anyway. So she tries to make a suit of armor for Fonzie, but instead makes a bucket materialize around his left foot. Which okay. apparently is full of water. Yeah, yeah. water included. Uh, Electra laughs like crazy at this failure, and we see Turkon now perfectly fine, and now back completely on the other side of the room along with her. Somehow. So, meanwhile, <laughs> Richie and Ralph make it to the time machine, but they see that it's guarded by two more robots... Uh, Richie claims that they're USO entertainers and begins to tap dance to prove his story. That, does, that doesn't make sense. It, like, no. why would you say it to robots? It's like, they don't know what you're talking about, mate. Ex exactly. And the dancing was just enough to make his robot disguise fall off. So that's on him. <laughs> He's the one who shook his own <laughs> armor off. But the robots just kind of stand there and do nothing. Uh, Ralph then adds that they also do a little magic and drops a smoke bomb giving them the opportunity to get away. It's really one of those, like, Batman 66-type smoke bombs, you know? Yeah, because remember when Ralph Mouth always carries smoke bombs? Like, he, you know, he didn't want to pay for <laughs> pay for his meal, so he's like, oh, yeah, let me get my wallet out. Psh, goodbye! Smoke bomb! <laughs> <laughs> smoke well, bomb, goodbye! They kind of wrote that into the episode that, yeah, that is part of his character, because the smoke clears, the robots run off, you know, looking for them. And we see kind of in the background, the doors to the time machine open, and Richie and Ralph actually snuck inside while the, uh, you know, the coast was clear. So even though Ralph Mouth's mouth, which is very hard to say, doesn't move, <laughs> he says, they kind of like add this in later, good thing I always keep a smoke bomb with me. So yeah, he does always keep a smoke bomb with him. And it just seems like this was added later to explain why he just has so happened to have the perfect item on him, a smoke bomb. Uh, but when I was thinking about this, it's like, wait a minute, there's way crappier writing going on elsewhere in the episode. And that is what they wanted to clarify with the little ADR? Like, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> They're going over this episode like, okay, who are these robot aliens? I don't know. Why Why do they spend five hours in the ship? I don't know. Why, why does Ralph Mouth have a smoke bomb? All right, we, we got to get Donnie Most back in the recording booth. We have to fix this. You know, it's like, why? Because it's it's uh, integral to the plot. <laughs> you can do anything you like in ADR when a, when a camera is not facing the actor. If it's just like behind them or if, or if they're off screen or something like that, it's like, Oh, wow, good thing I solved this entire problem and all these bits and pieces and whatnot, but uh, here I am back in the scene saying two lines. My mouth flaps. <laughs> they don't even need it. They just have a uh, cupcake. Cupcake could just beam across the ship and make a smoke bomb show up in his hand. You know, it doesn't matter in this show. Okay, so back to the Fonz. He's about to be, quote, neutralized by Turkon until he realizes that the 
bucket of water that he's still standing in, uh, it can damage a robot just as much as it damages leather shoes. So he splashes Turkon with the water, causing him to spark and convulse. Uh, oddly, I don't know if you caught this, while he was convulsing, he also says, does not compute. And I believe he says, two plus two is five. Yep, <laughs> he does. <laughs> well, robots love math. Robots just love a little bit of math. You, you got to admit that. That's how they. Uh, that's how they have their fun. I think. But like, how he just has like a bucket of water. It's like, oh, this is a good, a uh, good thing I have here. Lucky me. So, seeing Fonzie's display of power, Electra offers once again to rule the universe together. Why? Why wow. even bother? <laughs> wow, I really liked how you handle that bucket. Yeah. All right, so, like, before, you know, to take care of this whole situation, Fonzie decides to apply his typical uh, Fonzie charm to the situation. That's mm-hmm. the best I can say it without going a little bit too... He's using his machismo, let's say that. And what does he do next? You know, this... this uh, like, she's like, what are you going to do, Fonzie? It's like, this, you know, uh, requires a subtle approach. And then he makes out with Robot Queen. He just grabs her, grabs her around the waist, dips her while kissing her, and continues kissing her. Uh, We start to see this glow in a space laser sound surround her. Like, we get this glow emanating from her. And we we cut away, I guess, because they're like, okay, we can't just linger on this shot. They Mm. cut to Cupcake's excited reaction as she's going, Cosmic Comets, Fonz, and you didn't even need a bucket of water. Oh, <laughs> I mean... And we now cut back to the Fonz, and we see him standing next to Electra's crumpled body, now <laughs> on the floor, just like a piled heap of garbage on top of Turkon's lifeless body. Like, really awful. Like <laughs> The situation which occurs afterwards, it's like, well, it, it, who, who was... No one thought this was a bad idea? Yeah, it's pretty wrong. <laughs> the whole scene... Yep. The whole episode, the whole series, it's all wrong. Well, except for Wolfman Jack. That's it's all nice wrong. Spot. All right. <laughs> oh, man, he destroyed a robot with the power of affection. Ugh. Now, in case you're wondering, well, maybe Electra's not dead. No, we're kind of given a little bit of visual confirmation here because Phaedra, the robot dog, walks over to Electra's body, closes her eyes, and lowers her head. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, Fonzie has now claimed yet another victim. So, we cut to Mr. Cool, who who raises and lowers his eyebrows while making an sound. Very disturbing. How he cut, it's it's almost like uh, almost like a dog trying to master English. Like some things are very realistic when it comes to Mr. Cool. Some things are, are very cartoony. Mm. Um, so he then rushes over to Phaedra and kisses her, and she kisses him back. Now, I was expecting at this point to Phaedra, for Phaedra to die like the rest of the other robots, but... But no. 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 Phaedra then gets very aggressive and chases Mr. Cool out of the room until she gets tangled up in her own long extended neck. Uh, Mr. Cool does the Fonzie gesture, you know, with the two thumbs, tries to walk away, but kind of gets his tail caught in Phaedra's tangled neck. This is very hard to describe for a podcast, but um, Phaedra's very long and noodly metal wiring... You know, like like a slinky. Yes, exactly. Like like a slinky type of appendage, uh, and it, he gets his tail caught. And it springs back and it just launches him way, way far away over to guard robots. Now this leads the robots back over to the Fonz and Cupcake, 
They call Fonz a prisoner, but he just turns around, bumps them with the back of his arm, and causing them to fall into each other with a bowling pin sound effect. <coughs> so, with now all of the robots dead, I guess maybe the whole giant ship, the whole base only had, what, what six robots? Yeah. The whole gang now meets up, and uh, they're all gathered together at the time machine, like they should have been maybe five minutes into the episode. Fonzie now, did you guys catch this moment? He picks up a Starjet engine, like it was made of styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, this will get us back to Earth. It's like, no, the flying saucer worked just fine. <laughs> you don't need that. It's not going to do anything. It's going to get you back to future Earth, where you have no place. And uh, Cupcake claims that it could help them get back to 1957 somehow. Like, I, I didn't understand this at all. So... This cuts to the gang leaving the spaceship dock with the Starjet engine already attached and functioning. A lot of, you know, great plug-and-play technology here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, they're going to bother taking the the time machine out. Why not take the, the robot mothership? It's theirs now, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm guessing that that time warper, that big center console that we saw at the very beginning of the episode, that's kind of like the flux capacitor for lack of a better term, of this ship. You know, as long as that thing is there, it doesn't really matter, right? So just take the <laughs> robot motherships, spread out, you know? So anyway, even though Cupcake says they'll make it back home, uh, the group is very skeptical. Uh, Ralph asks, you know, oh, then why do we keep running into wizards, pirates, dinosaurs, and now alien robots? And Cupcake says it's because she just hasn't found a shortcut yet. Then, for absolutely no reason other than they just probably couldn't write an ending to the episode, we cut to Mr. Cool as Phaedra, the robot dog, runs over and grabs him with an extended arm. How did how did that happen? <laughs> and I why don't are they know. taking her with them? Yeah. Well, we don't know. And also, how did Fonzie kill a robot with a kiss? We don't know. Why why not jettison the robot dog into the void of space while you have the chance? Oops, how did that happen? Let's get rid of that thing. <laughs> Fine, you know, maybe they should do that. I mean, they're already murderers. Yeah. Of sentient beings. So the Fawns now ask Cupcake to use the Time Warper to take them anywhere with a malt shop. Ha 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 ha. So we, we end by... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the weakest fake laugh. Ha 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 ha. Well, it's so stupid. I mean, they keep talking about 1957, 1957, 1957 Milwaukee. Well, where do you want to go? Well, we already know. Anywhere with a malt shop. Yeah. We end by cutting to the exterior of the time machine where sparkles and streaks fly around the frame. They fly past this yellow, green, and red swirling background towards a wormhole. Which, do they just have to find a tear in the fabric of space? I thought the time machine kind of created its own. What are we, what are we looking at here? I, I don't know. Answer me. But God. <laughs> it's like sliders. So, In sliders, they had to wait for the, the uh, technology thing to reset and uh, to make a new portal. And so they were just stuck on a planet for like 24 hours. But they made a new portal. Here, we don't see that happen. We see them fly towards one that's kind of already there. Yeah. Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. So we hear, we hear Phaedra chasing Mr. Cool as the gang laughs. The music swells. And we fade to black. Mercifully. So from here we cut to the closing credits, and uh, here, just wanted to note, we get a little instrumental doo-wop sounding music, which I thought was pretty funny. You know, maybe it, found, it had its place in the Happy Days show, but certainly not in this terrible cartoon. And we finish with the 
Hanna-Barbera Productions logo. And uh, that is the end of the Fonz and the Happy Days gang. Probably the worst cartoon I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the uh, the musical number at the end, the uh, the instrumental, best part of the episode. <laughs> no, Kevin, you tweeted out that there was one one redeeming quality of this show. Was that it? Uh, one quasi almost redeeming quality. Yes, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's only because it reminded me of uh, the musical interludes in the uh, Mystery Science Theater uh, Return. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So it kind of reminded me of the uh, the Skeleton Crew like songs that they would do. All right, so guys, what are your thoughts now upon watching this monstrosity for the podcast? <laughs> Ugh. So <laughs> the first time I watched it, I finished it up, and I was watching it at night, finished it up, closed the laptop, went to bed, woke up like an hour later and thought, oh no, I, I must have fallen asleep while I was watching it because I, I don't know what happened. It just kind of <laughs> ended like I must have fallen asleep. So I rewatched it again, and no, I I did not fall asleep during the episode. <laughs> I started at the halfway point and was like, "All right, no, I remember this." And as each scene kept unfolding, I'm like, "No, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this." And end credits. Huh. <laughs> I I guess I didn't fall asleep. It was just oh, it was that bad. Uh, I thought this show was a uh, show which was animated. Someone paid money for it. it, it I, I couldn't... There's nothing really in this show at all. There's it's nothing really uh, nourishing about this show at all, beyond the fact that, like, oh, it's it's um, Happy Days Gang. Yeah. Yeah, beyond that, it's like, we didn't really learn anything about time travel. It's just the gang on, like, a wacky adventure, and it's literally just a wacky adventure. You know, just nothing makes sense at all. And, you know, trying really, really hard to be, I guess, slightly Star Wars with that title, made a farce be with you. And, you know, I get it. It's, it's a farce. But, like, I watched this episode, you know, twice. And, again, each time I was just like, okay. That's the thing. And yeah, nothing really makes sense at all. The characters are all just, you know, cartoony versions of themselves in the purest sense with Ralph Melf always being this... He's always he's always bailing on problems. So he's like, oh, we're gonna die. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, well, thanks, Ralph Melf. It's just, you're not helping us, man. Uh, Richie, barely doing anything. Just, he's just there for the ride. And then Fonzie's just kind of uh, hanging about. And here's the thing. I thought there was probably more... There's like a, a pilot episode that we probably missed... That probably explained a lot more about these characters. No. Episode no. one has them going back in time. And again, has Wolfman Jack explaining everything. Uh, and then that's about it. I mean, the beyond the part with um, Fonzie in episode one going, what, if we can't get back to 1957, then I'm going to disappoint all these ladies. And he has a wallet filled with all these photos of women. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Great it's like, model. It's, yeah, it's just this whole thing that pops out and it's like... This whole thing of women <laughs> photos, which uh, Mr. Cool, again, a terrible, terrible dog, uh, is like, <laughs> which is awful, awful dog. But yeah, I, I, I think this thing needs to be buried. <laughs> Never released to man ever again. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like, I mean, I Ron Howard probably had no other choice but to do this. But, you know, it's like, 
I'm glad he survived and went on. He's gone on to do other things. I mean, I feel like this movie was made in a rush. Rush is a film that Ron Howard directed. Okay, <laughs> sweet and port. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I finding this episode and uh, yeah, thank you for thank you guys for uh, putting up with it because uh, I, I figured we'd have a blast just ripping it to shreds. There were, like you said, Hamish. There's no substance here whatsoever. Uh, it's it's painted with the facade of a Star Wars parody. Uh, the whole series is painted with the facade of a kind of like an adventure show. It really made no sense. It was just basically we had this family entertainment sitcom, and this was going to be just for the kids on Saturday morning, a way to expand the franchise. And there was just nothing there, nothing at all. The terrible writing, you know, pretty substandard animation. Terrible characters. You know, last episode we talked about Mr. T, and there was the uh, the dog character Dozer or Bulldozer, and it was it was just like a regular dog with a mohawk somehow attached to his head, and uh, it, that dog was more like Lassie as we talked about, where you know the dog would understand what's happening but really couldn't like talk or anything. He would growl at the enemies and it, maybe he would do a little action that a dog normally wouldn't do, like he'd push something over, but. This dog is way worse. This dog is pretty ugly, pretty ugly looking cartoon character. And it's just so, so annoying. I think this has got to be one of the worst dog characters I've ever seen in a cartoon. So you say, you're saying like the animation, like the way he's designed is, 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 a, is a major dilemma. Also a, also a film directed by Ron Howard. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and this entire this entire episode or this entire show is just a, is is a trash fire. It's terrible, right? It's like it's like a complete inferno. <laughs> <clears throat> also directed by Ron Howard. Tapes um. of tapes of this show belong in the heart of the sea. Hamish, <laughs> <laughs> you have a beautiful mind. I, I really appreciate it, but we we have to move. And on. I can't believe this show about characters who are made in America. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous I just can't believe it I mean, you know, the only thing that could save this show Is if we somehow found out that, you know Fonzie's power of touching things was, you know Again, given to him by the gods Or angels and demons You know, it's something along those lines Directed by Ron Howard Okay To, to figure out the meaning of this show Is to figure out the Da Vinci Code Ron Howard <laughs> <laughs> To those listening, thank you for, for bearing with I'm us. I'm sorry for I've up been a us. Grinch. <laughs> okay. Run out. Yes, it is definitely time to wrap it up. It's I'm like sorry I'm holding you guys to ransom, Run out, ending the show. It's the middle of the night here. You don't even have an excuse. Amen. I am I am far and away, Ron Howard, here in Australia. <laughs> Uh, I'm just right, your so typical working class man. <laughs> Run out. <laughs> all right, give us one more. One more. Uh, I hope this 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 episode makes a splash. Okay. <laughs> and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your star jet skills, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play, or you can visit us at the Hitting Play podcast subreddit. Uh, now, you guys have anything you want to plug other than uh, Ron Howard Productions? <laughs> 
Well, you can find all my stuff, uh, mystery science theater type commentary at uh, gumroad.com slash onewallcinema. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at onewallcinema. Uh, my kids have a YouTube series uh, that I need to get back to editing <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube called uh, Kids Unboxing Stuff. The links will be in the description and all that stuff. Very good. And you have some pet crickets for sale? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Those crickets you can't get rid of, can you? No, they're outside. <laughs> so throughout this entire podcast, if anyone's wondering why there's crickets, it's because there's crickets that you're outside your house. And the poor writing. Aww. <laughs> Wait, we anyway, write- what do you got, Hamish? Me? Oh, um, well, you don't need to find a time crystal to find me. The Time Crystal by Ron Howard. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm on Twitter as Sant Hamish, on Instagram as Sant Hamish. You can find me there. You can find other things of me saying stuff on this podcast series on a plethora of episodes if you want to listen to more of my ramblings um <laughs> yeah so mostly you can find me on a oh i'm also on facebook uh, at sart hamish art which i really gotta throw some more stuff on there because i'm mostly throwing stuff on the instagram sart hamish uh and um you can talk at me on twitter sart hamish if I'm not talking to you or if you send me a message on twitter and I don't get back to you it's because I'm usually at work working night shift Ron Howard movie. Oh, uh, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> Henry no Winkler too. Yeah, and sometimes I get distracted playing Grand Theft Auto. <clears throat> Ron Howard. <laughs> so you know, it's 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 one of those things. So you know, I hope I hope people have enjoyed this this entire. I hope people have taken five uh, or take five. Run out and have uh, oh, enjoyed this this story, which is just which is just a cocoon in itself. Run out. Oh my goodness. Okay. Very I'm nice. Not, say I'm not done. Uh, well, I, I am done. I should be done. <laughs> you should, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> well, if I'm, you listen yeah. to us on iTunes, uh, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Please don't uh, judge us based on this episode alone. It helps us out, <laughs> and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. You can even tap to rate us five stars uh, right there uh, on your Apple Podcast app or your uh, right in iTunes, I think you can do that. So anything you can do to help, it definitely would be appreciated. Again, please don't judge us based on this. Please, <laughs> please. Uh, for Android users, we're also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app. So check us out on those platforms. Uh, if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel. You can set hitting play as a favorite. You can stream these episodes right through your television as they are released. And if you have an Alexa enabled device you can also uh, somehow talk to it and get us to play again not too sure on the details but i believe uh tune in radio is an app for it so we're definitely on that um somehow it'll work anyway we have been kevin hamish and scott and this has been a hitting play thank you so much for listening i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle yeah <laughs> do you want to hear some wolfman jack doing some ransom Oh, give me back my son, baby! (laughs) And now Scott. Yeah, it's in crickets. Very fitting.